Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Good evening, Maranatha. So glad to be with you all via YouTube this evening. And as you know, all throughout Lent, we've been studying the Lord's Prayer together. Last week, Joey Johnson led us through the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And this evening, we move on to the uh, sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey, was written sometime around the 8th century B.C. It became a classic that I believe is still required reading by most high school students. The story focuses mainly on the Greek hero Odysseus, who was king of Ithaca and his long journey home following the Greek victory at Troy. Uh, it was the Trojan horse, if you remember the story, that led to the downfall of Troy, and Odysseus was the brains behind that idea. And anyway, in Odysseus's return voyage home following that victory, he's blown off course, and it takes him 10 years to get back home. And during those 10 years, he and his crew encounter many adventures. One noteworthy encounter Odysseus and his crew had was with the sirens, the sirens were dangerous, myth mythical creatures depicted as women who lured sailors with their music and song towards the rocky coast of their island, only to have the boat crash and shipwreck on the island. It was said that no one who heard the song of the sirens was able to resist the temptation to steer towards those rocky shores and towards that music. And Odysseus, the hero and the king that he was, wanted to do that. And so he ordered his men to tie him to the mast of their ship and then to plug his, their own ears, I'm sorry, with beeswax. And under no circumstances were they to listen to his orders once he was tied up. Odysseus's plan worked, and he was able to hear the beautiful song of the sirens, but yet continue on with his voyage. And ever since that epic poem was written, sirens and their song have, have been used in literature to describe temptations and those who would bring temptation. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us a better prescription than beeswax and being tied to a mast in order to avoid temptation. He gives us a prayer. And so it's that prayer again that I want to read together this evening. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. Would you read with me? Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord God, I do thank you for this evening and for your word and for this prayer that you have taught us and how it continues to lead us and to guide us. And This evening, as we pull apart 
this next petition in the Lord's Prayer, the sixth petition. We pray that again, you be with us today. Open our ears to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This evening, we're going to look at six important truths to keep in mind when the sirens call and when we face temptation. And the first truth is this. The Lord doesn't lead us into temptation. God is not trying to maliciously trick us or into sinning or, or eagerly leading us into a trap where we fall into temptation. Far from it. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're simply praying that God would give us the power and the strength to resist in the times of temptation. There's a, there's a significant difference there, isn't there, right? As uh, the Apostle James writes to the church in exile, he has to remind believers of this very truth. There are some who believe that the Lord God, with evil intent, was leading his people into places and into situations where they would sin, where they would be tempted to sin. They believe that God was doing this strictly for the purpose of seeing how, how they would respond and if they would fall. But James had this to say, James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is allured by and enticed by his own desire. Temptations to sin don't come from the Lord God. He himself can't be tempted to sin, and therefore he doesn't tempt any of us to sin. And so if the Lord isn't actively leading us into temptations, then where do temptations to sin come from? The Bible describes temptation to sin as, as coming from three different places, a, a three-headed uh, monster, if you will. And the first one of those heads on this monster of temptation is our own flesh. Not our flesh, or like our skin and our bones flesh, but in the New Testament, the phrase, the flesh, refers to our own sinful nature that each one of us have inherited from our first parents, from Adam and Eve. After they themselves fell into sin, our flesh, our sin nature is corrupt, is rotten to the core. It's so corrupt that Paul says we are spiritually dead with no hope to revive or to regenerate ourselves. The flesh, the sin nature within us constantly leads us away from God and into sin. Listen to how Paul described what the flesh, our sin nature, does Within us. This is Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. As I warn you, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is our flesh. This is our sin nature. And each one of us has this spiritual corruption dwelling within us, leading us away from God our Father and leading us into temptation. The Bible describes another head on the monster of temptation, the world. The, the world describes those outside influences that seek to lead us astray. We have something within us, right, our flesh, that seeks to lead us away from God, but we also have the external forces of the world that seek to draw us away from God. And the world would draw us into temptation through many avenues. The pursuit of wealth, the acquisition of stuff, the approval of others. 
The temptations of the world can be found in the, the lyrics of degrading songs, in trashy romance novels, and, and in internet porn. The world tempts us to listen to and to spread gossip about our coworkers. It encourages us to harbor hatred and resentment of others. It applauds our efforts to have a me-first attitude in our lives. The world is always leading us away from God and leading us into temptation. The third head of the monster of temptation is, is probably the deadliest, the devil himself. However, the devil and his minions defeated foes as they are because of Christ's death and resurrection. They really only have one trick up their sleeves. It's the same trick that was applied to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the same trick employed against Jesus in the wilderness. The devil is always trying to get us to doubt God's word. He asked Eve, did God really say? And planted doubt into her heart. And just before Jesus was tempted, he was baptized. And at his baptism, God's voice sounded down from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. And then the devil then tried to get Jesus to doubt that voice that he heard from heaven by asking Jesus the same thing, are you really the son of God? It's as if he's saying, has God really spoken to you? Did God really say that you are his son? The devil always seeks to get us to doubt God's word. And in the COVID-19 era that we are currently living in, we're tempted to doubt uh, that God is not the sovereign king as his word and as creation declares him to be. We're tempted to disbelieve his promises that he is with us even to the end of the age. He is, of course, the sovereign king who has promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. But the devil would have us doubt the goodness and the faithfulness of God. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they are the three-headed monster that temptations to sin, the song of the sirens, arise from. We could say a lot more, but we need to move on here a little bit too. The second truth that we need to keep in mind when we hear the siren's call is that temptation to sin in and of itself is not sin. It's common to categorize the temptation to sin as the sin itself, and we often wrongly do this, but the temptation in and of itself is not sin. The temptation only becomes sin when we yield to it, when we give in to it. Jesus himself was tempted, wasn't he? I, I'm assuming he was tempted all of his life, but as I mentioned before, Scripture records a couple of very specific instances, and one of those, again, occurred right after his baptism when he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, right before he began his public ministry. He had gone into the wilderness for 40 days to pray, and while he was there, Satan came and tempted him in, in three particular ways, and each each time, Jesus never once gave in to those temptations. The author of Hebrews put it this way in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In every respect, Jesus was tempted to sin. He endured temptation just like you or I do. Yet the author of Hebrews says that Jesus was sinless. He never yielded, never gave in to that temptation to sin. 
And because he is sinless, he could become our high priest, giving his life for our own. On the cross, Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God, died, taking your sin upon himself. He died for all of those times that you have and you will give into temptation. His blood paid for those sins, perfectly atoning for them. He is our great high priest. He is able to sympathize with us and our weaknesses because he too was tempted to sin. He knows what we are going through. He's been there. He can help us in every trial and in every temptation. But all of this goes to show that in and of itself, the temptation to sin isn't a sin. Temptation only represents the opportunity to give in to sin. Another classic example of this uh, that comes to mind is, is the story of David and Bathsheba. You remember that story, right? David didn't go to war like he should have. He let his generals go and do the fighting. And, and you can argue that in not going to war, David was sinning in and against his vocation. And uh, I'll give you that. David should have gone to war, leading his troops into battle like any good king would have. But he didn't. And then as David walked on his roof, walked on his patio that night, he notices Bathsheba bathing. And I would say that that first incidental glance at Bathsheba wasn't a sin. But the, but the moment that David's eyes lingered was the moment that he gave into that temptation and it became a sin for David. Temptations to sin constantly come, don't they? And often they can come out of the blue. Whoa, where did that thought come from? Uh, Martin Luther, who was no stranger to temptations, said this, and I love this quote. He said, These thoughts, these temptations to sin, are like birds that fly about in the open sky. It does not lie within our power to stop them from flying about over our heads, but it does lie within our power to prevent them from building nests in our hair. The point of, of, of that is this, that temptations come all of the time, but it's what we do with them that is significant. We can be on guard against those temptations and not embrace them and, and not be led astray by them. Temptation to sin in and of itself is not sin. There's a third truth regarding temptations, and it's this. You are not alone in your temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is a verse that provides comfort and strength during times of trial and temptation. It's a verse that we're going to be coming back to this evening, so I'd encourage uh, you to find it in your own Bibles. And it goes, uh, it goes like this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Temptations, Paul says, temptations are common to man. Satan, however, the, the great deceiver, would have you believe that you are alone in your struggles against sin. He would have you believe that you are the only one so sinful and so wretched to have those thoughts and those attitudes running through your head. But the truth is that you are not alone in your temptations. The things that you struggle with are not unique to you. They have been endured by believers for centuries. And now, of course, this doesn't excuse us from yielding and giving in to the temptations, but I find some comfort in that truth, and I hope it provides you some comfort as well. It's comforting to know that others have gone through these same things before, isn't it? 
It's comforting uh, for the same reasons that cancer support groups work and Alcoholics Anonymous is so successful. We realize that we are not as isolated in our struggles as we think we are. There are others who have walked this path and are currently walking this path. And we can go down this road together. And so when you are facing temptations, first and foremost, reach out to the Lord. Go to Him in prayer. Open your Bibles. But also go to another believer, preferably somebody of the same gender as you and somebody who's spiritually mature, and talk with them. Seek their advice. Seek their counsel. Odds are they have been through this before. Odds are they have some wisdom and some advice to impart to you. We need community. We need the encouragement of fellow believers. We need one another, right? On his, uh, on his TV show, Red Green, do you remember him? Uh, Red Green always used to give uh, his fellow men who were going through a hard time this encouragement. He said, remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, right? <laughs> Whatever the struggles that you are going through, know that you are not alone in those struggles. And the fourth truth regarding temptation is this. God is faithful and he will provide a way out. Uh, we saw this truth in 1 Corinthians 10.13 again, didn't we? Uh, let me read it again. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Not only is Jesus sympathetic to our plight, but he also provides a way out of that temptation. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you alone to face these temptations on your own. He is faithful to you. And again, as 1 Corinthians 10.13 promises you, a born-again child of God have the ability to endure the temptation and to escape it. So how? How do I escape that temptation? Very simply, right? Do as Jesus did when he was tempted. During his temptations, Jesus quoted God's word to his temptations. Each time the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus responded with scripture. Turn these stones into bread, the devil said, tempting Jesus to, to uh, abuse his divine power to satisfy his, his flesh. And Jesus responded with scripture. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And even when the devil twisted scripture, Jesus still responded by quoting scripture. So when you're in the midst of being tempted, do as Jesus did. Quote scripture, recite scripture. And this means that you need to have some scripture memorized, right? The Lord's Prayer is a great place to start. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is another great verse to have in mind. The 23rd Psalm is also powerful. And listen to this. When you are tempted... Remind yourself of who you are in Jesus. Remind yourself that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Remind yourself that Jesus loves you enough to die for you. He would have died for you even if you were the only person on planet Earth. That's how much he loves you. In the midst of temptations, remember Jesus Christ. The next, the next truth regarding temptations is this. In fighting temptation, we must be in the resistance. Even though God is faithful, as 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, even though God is faithful and provides a way of escape from temptation, we must be actively engaged in fighting and fleeing temptation. This means that we don't simply sit back and, and let go and let God. 
We don't let that way of escape magically appear for us. There must be some action on our part. Paul put it this way in Colossians 3.5. He said, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you. And then he, then he goes on and lists a long list of sins. Uh, the Greek verb uh, here for put to death, necrosate, is an active verb, not a passive verb. That means that you and I are doing the action. We are the ones who are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. It doesn't happen by simply letting it happen. It happens when we're taking active steps in putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And we do this daily. The action in these verses is a continual action. Continue to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Don't stop. Don't be idle. Be continually fighting sin, Paul is saying. C.S. Lewis uh, likened fighting sin to fighting an invading army that takes over your home territory. He said it this way. He said, We may never, this side of death, drive out the invader of our territory, but we must be in the resistance, not in the Vichy government. For that quote to make sense, we need a little bit of a history lesson. <laughs> so what was the Vichy government? Uh, the Vichy government was the French puppet government that the Nazis set up after taking over France during World War II. On paper, the Vichy government was, was separate from Nazi Germany, but they were simply the pawns of the Nazis. The Vichy government didn't do anything without Berlin's approval or their say-so. They were a worthless government. Those who opposed the Vichy government were in the resistance fighting the Nazis. And in fighting sin, Lewis says that we must not be passive like the Vichy government was. We must be active, fighting in the resistance, fighting to take back our souls. And we do this, of course, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8.13, But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. In and of ourselves, we are, we are powerless in our fight against sin. We can't look to ourselves or we will fail. We look to the Spirit for strength. We look to, we look to God for help and, and the Holy Spirit working through His Word helps us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And so how does the Lord answer this petition? We know that He does indeed answer it and He answers it not by removing the temptations from us. Quite often, He, he answers this petition by removing us from the tempting situation. There's a, there's a difference there, isn't it? The final truth to keep in mind when the sirens sing is that enduring temptation often involves flight. Uh, we've read a few times 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Do you know what the next verse says? If you have your Bible, look down at verse 14. What does verse 14 say? It goes like this. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. <laughs> flee, run. Oftentimes, lead us not into temptation. Looks like a sprint in the opposite direction. And sometimes this is literal. Uh, the example that comes to mind is the Old Testament story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, right? She wanted Joseph for herself. And for a while, Joseph politely refused. 
Then he had to begin running, physically, literally running away from her. Flee. <laughs> Flee temptation. Run from temptation. You, you know what your triggers are. You know what tempts you. I don't think I need to draw out analogies, right? If you can help it, don't put yourselves in certain situations. If you're struggling with alcoholism, don't go to a bar. If you're struggling with gluttony, don't go to an all-you-can-eat buffet. Not that we can anymore in COVID-19, right? But, but you get the point, right? Set up your own safeguards. Set up your personal boundaries. And when all else fails, simply remove yourself from the tempting situation. Take a walk and leave the phone behind or pick up the phone and call your mom, right, just to chat. Uh, whenever you flee from temptation, don't run aimlessly, though. <laughs> flee to the Lord. Flee to his word. There you will find refuge. Enduring temptation often involves flight. And will these temptations ever cease? Will the siren's song ever end? Unfortunately, no. But as we endure temptation, we look to, the, to some realities that are more trustworthy than beeswax and a mast to be tied to. The Lord doesn't lead us into temptation. Temptation to sin it's in and of itself is not sin. You are not alone in your temptations. God is faithful. He will provide a way out. However, in fighting temptations, again, we must be in the resistance. And finally, sometimes we battle temptations through flight. And we know that when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And when we confess our sins, God is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the Lord's prayer and we thank you for this prescription for fighting temptation, for avoiding the song of the siren and those things that would seek to draw us away from you. Lord, we ask that you would be with us every hour, Lord, as we endure temptations, as we go through it, Lord. Give us the, uh, the ability to set up boundaries uh, where we know we are weak. Lord, give us a, a Christian brother or sister that we can talk with, who can encourage us, who can, uh, again, point us to Jesus and to the cross. And Father, we do need you every hour. It's in, your, in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.